Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. So when was, when was the last time you ran? And I'm not talking about jogging or on a treadmill, I'm talking about running, like instinctual running. Running towards something or God forbid, running away from something. They're different, right? They're completely different. Running, running, you're not worried whether your shoes match your leggings, right? Or whether you have the right hype up playlist or took the right pre-workout energy drink. When you're running, running, you're not, you're not thinking. You're just doing. Can you recall the last time you had to run? This might be easier for our kids. It seems like you guys are always running. But grown-ups, we don't run as often or as well as we once did. Grown-ups, when was the last time something sent you running? Elevated heart rate, heavy breathing, ugly sweat, the whole deal. So last time, last time I found myself running, running, I was running away from Davis Primary School as fast as I could. <laughs> Do me a favor, raise your hand if you currently go to Davis. If you or your kids ever went to Davis, if you ever taught at Davis or were the principal of Davis a lot of you. All right, so, so Davis does this thing called paw parties. I'm sure other schools do something similar. Essentially, as a way to recognize good behavior and safety, students can earn paws. And when the class has accumulated enough of them together, they get a paw party. These parties range from pajama parties to turn your desk into a fort parties to change your name for a day party. And it all sounds like fun unless it is your very first paw party and your parents forget to check their email. <laughs> so we live like less than a mile from Davis. On this particular morning, we walked our daughter to school together as a whole family. It was like any other morning until we got close and our daughter started to recognize some of her classmates. And the odd thing was, they were all carrying their favorite stuffed animal, except for her. And then it clicks. Time slowed down. I looked at my daughter, saw her face turning a little red. Then I looked at my wife and back at my daughter. And without really thinking through it, I just started running. Now, I'm sure I could have brought it by the school office later in the day, but I wasn't thinking I was running. Sure, I freaked out a couple of parents. A grown man running in street clothes is frightening. <laughs> so like a complete weirdo, I run home. Sure, I didn't break any land speed records, but I felt like I did. I sprinted up the stairs to her bedroom just to find a bed literally covered in stuffed animals. Apparently, there's going to be a couple more now. All the stuffed animals have a name and a backstory, 
And in my awkward and unnecessary rush, I forgot to ask her what stuffy she wanted. So like any completely out of breath parent would do, I grabbed the largest stuffy in the room, a stuffed bear as large as my daughter, and I went back. It doesn't happen very often, awkward, unattractive, instinctual running, but when it does happen, we remember it. We remember the rush, the pain, the strange looks from parents pushing strollers. We remember it because there aren't many things in this world that will send us running. And when we read the various accounts of the Easter story, one thing is for certain, no one was walking. This was an awkward, unattractive, instinctual running sort of morning. A reading from John chapter 20. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw linen clothes lying there, but didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. But then the disciples returned to the place they were staying. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Can you feel it? Mary comes running into the room completely disheveled, slightly hyperventilating and Trying to catch her breath, she just blurts out, they've taken him. They've taken the Lord from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. And as quickly as Mary entered the room, two grown men go running out of the room. Sounds like Peter busted out first. He might have had a head start, but the other disciple ran faster. Do you know who the other disciple is? It's John, a.k.a. the one who's writing the story. Together, they run, like run, run. And while John seems mostly concerned with going down in history as the fastest disciple, I have a feeling that Peter's mind is racing with different thoughts. Maybe he's thinking about the first time he met Jesus. It's like yesterday. Peter, who went by the name of Simon back then, had finished a grueling and frankly depressing day of fishing on the Sea of Galilee. We read that he and his brother had worked all night and had caught absolutely nothing. As they're wrapping up their work day, a stranger, Jesus, jumps into their boat as a huge crowd is trying to get near him. Jesus asked them to push the boat out a little bit so he could continue teaching from a safe distance. And then 
when he was done teaching, he told Peter to go out even further and drop his nets one more time. Right? Who is this guy? Jesus. (laughs) Hypothetical question. My daughter nailed it. (laughs) Tired and hesitant. Peter agrees to drop the nets one last time to humor this random teacher and almost immediately the nets are filled. In fact, their nets are filled to the point that they begin to tear. Peter has to call a friend's boat over to help and they end up filling both boats to the point that the boats themselves start to sink. All Peter could think to do was was to bow down. We read he got down at the feet of Jesus And he's been following him ever since. He's running. It's all these good memories running through his head. Or or maybe, well, ugly running to the tomb, Peter found himself remembering the last time he saw Jesus. And you see, for Peter, that was a particularly painful memory. Peter splits at Jesus' trial. Things were getting scary. There was an angry mob yelling and and then someone recognized Peter as one of Jesus' go-to friends. But Peter denied it all. He denied even knowing him, not once, but three times in Jesus' greatest hour of need. Peter pretended like he didn't even know who Jesus was. That hurts. Right? That sticks with you. Knowing Knowing that you had the opportunity to stand up and do something good, but, but instead you remain silent. Or knowing that someone close to you is going through something, but you never said the thing you wanted to say or, or did the thing you wanted to do. That stings. I've got to believe that Peter had been sitting with that all weekend and it's pumping through his veins as he runs trying to shake off all the memories and regrets, they arrive at the tomb, sweaty, stinky, out of breath. And to their amazement, the tomb is empty. And whether they understood what was happening or not, it wouldn't take long for them to be standing in a room once again with Jesus. It's Easter, right? He's risen. He's risen indeed. It was surprising, shocking. It was a get you out of bed and send you running sort of morning. Now we, we knew this part of the story was coming. We've been getting ready for Easter all week, all month even. And yet Easter's supposed to catch us off guard. Easter's not only unlikely, it's impossible. It's not just hard to wrap our minds around. It's unbelievable. It's such a break from the norm that it, it sends us running. And that's my question for you this morning. When was the last time you found yourself running? And not jogging, not on a treadmill, not to go fetch a stuffy. When was the last time that, that your faith sent you running? When was the last time that spirit caused a spike in your heart rate? When was the last time that worship, welcome, and justice woke you up early and inspired hurried movement? 
When was the last time that God, Jesus, the church, triggered a little extra pep in your step? A little extra purpose to your pace? Does faith fuel you? Or, or have you, have we slowed way down? Easter is an awkward, unattractive, instinctual running sort of morning. It's less about thinking and more about moving, feeling, reacting. And people have been running this race for thousands of years. At times it has felt like the church is slowing down and at other times it feels like we're just getting started. In the Gospel of Matthew, when Mary Magdalene and the other women first arrive at the tomb, we read that they are greeted by angels. And the angels get right to the point. They say, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he has been raised from the dead just as he said. And then check out these four verbs. The angels say, come and see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go and tell his disciples. Come and see. Go and tell. Friends, if you don't know what all the fuss is about, you don't really get why a bunch of grown adults wake up early on Sunday mornings to go to church. You can't wrap your mind around the whole Jesus, God, community thing. Come. I encourage you to come and, come and see for yourself. Come see a people who have a spiritual pep in their step a genuine purpose to their pace in life. Come and see a community that, that doesn't have it all together, but still remains open to being surprised, open to new ideas, open to running. Come see a community that runs to each other's aid, runs to do good in the world, runs to check out an empty tomb. Who knows, they might end up being a bunch of weirdos. But you, you might also find that they're tapped into something truly spiritual. Something deeply grounded. Something that brings infinite meaning and joy to life. Who knows? Come and see. And to those of you who've been running the race for a while, or maybe even just started running, go. Right, go and tell. Tell people why you do what you do. Don't pull a Peter. Don't deny the joy you find in running this race. Don't pretend that it's just something you do because you're bored on Sunday mornings. Go and tell what sort of, of meaning you find in this community. What sort of purpose you find in these people. What sort of joy you find in the love of God. What I can tell you is that in Jesus, I've come to know a God who gets it. A God who has now faced all the same deeply human stuff that I've had to face. And a God who, who's still with me in it all. In Jesus, I've come to know a God who welcomes everyone. Everyone, everyone to the table. And a God who occasionally flips over religious tables. Always calling the church to newness. In Jesus, I've come to know a God who's not looking to trip me up 
or catch me on a loophole, but instead a God who inspires me, who inspires us all to, to keep on keeping on. In Jesus, I've come to know a God who is love, a God who says that we're good, that we're enough just the way we are. And so on this Easter morning, know that you are loved. Know that you are enough. Know that there is joy in this life for you. Christ is risen. Come and see. Go and tell. It's all love. Amen.